Welcome to Native Calgarian. So I should probably start by acknowledging the date today. Uh, today is the 15th, so this will probably go to air, if not tonight, tomorrow on the 16th. And uh, today is the uh, gathering of the Dene here on the Sutina land and uh, Blackfoot territory. So it's uh, kind of a special day to acknowledge that as well. And um, so I want to start off, obviously, by doing a land acknowledgement. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed, in, signed September 22, 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. We acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Oki, I'm Mekochi Chestokomaki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman, given to me in ceremony, and my humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. I just, uh, I want to give you an idea. I still say my name to Blackfoot elders and they kind of, I say it again and you can see them kind of lifting their eyes and squinting and trying to see, how is she saying Red Thunder Woman in that? So I, I mean it when I talk, when I apologize to the Blackfoot elders because, um, and language keepers, because some of them are probably doing the exact same thing as they hear me try to butcher Mekochi Chestokomaki. So. My name is Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott. These are very English names, which has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. What does that mean? That means that because my name isn't indigenous sounding, people don't, um, they don't have extra prejudice towards me because they're English names that were given to me. Um, you know, if my name was Sage or Sunshine or Spring or Summer or uh, anything that might be indigenous related, like even crow child, these are names that would be discriminated against. So when I say I have, um, privilege in an English colonial, uh, world with English colonial names, it also acknowledges that, you know, people won't discriminate against me if I'm looking for a place to rent, etc., etc. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yolanized Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act-imposed status card. I acknowledge that my Dene lineage that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho Tinne Indahe in Dene meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a, a guest. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today or want to talk, Please call the First Nation Hope for Inuit, or the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 
seven days a week. Non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments, your questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I want to give a shout out to my super loyal do- donors, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. So I guess uh, a lot's probably happened since the last time I've posted and uh, we're in the middle of the election. So today's Tuesday night. Monday is the actual election of October um, 21st. So, you know, like literally we're on what, day seven, day six now. And uh, things are really intense. Um, You know, I've been staying at the Calgary Forest Lawn writing writing, uh, campaign office and you know in the middle of of all these campaigns you put on that bright shiny face and you smile and you you know try to say the best stuff that you can about your your candidate and you um and and the ugliness is out there because everybody knows um you know some people are going to lose their jobs some people are going to uh not become MPs and with that, all of their staff will lose their job and things like that. And that means also that there will be new MPs and all of those staff will lose their jobs or gain jobs and such. So, um, you know, new horizons that are, are really quick and overnight happening. And, uh, you know, obviously I don't want to, I, well, I, I'm not allowed to give out too much information right now. And on the 22nd, <laughs> be a different day, we can talk about lots of different things like, um, you know, surprise visits from the MP or whatever ends up happening within the next six days and the next time I broadcast. Um, but what I can tell you is that as of right now, as of today, um, it looks like we're heading for a minority government. And while I'm sure you're listening to CBC or a million other news media and hearing what that means from so many other people's points of view, mainly colonial, you know, settler points of view, I can tell you how exhausting and upsetting it's been to see this election with zero Indigenous voices at the table. Um, that's for sure. And from my point of view, what that also means by having a minority government is it it's actually really scary for me right now um, because this, I'm, I'm going to be point blank. Last election, we made a lot of promises and one of the ones that I campaigned on, and I know I brought people to vote for the Liberals for the first time ever, was the first past the post issue. And there were people who voted Liberal solely based on that one promise. And without a doubt, those those votes are gone. And I don't blame people for, for uh, not, you know, they took one chance, pinched their nose and voted Liberal last time to get rid of Harper and the cons. And this time, uh, yeah, so that's a major issue. It was for me, was for a lot of my friends. I know that um, with the idea of reconciliation, you know, we never really had a real conversation about that in the last four years. We've had a lot of folks misuse the term, a lot of uh, politicians, a lot of non-Indigenous politicians, even Indigenous politicians misuse the conversation. Um, 
so it, it's it's frustrating it sucks and i i feel the weight of that because you know for me personally i campaigned on that i really thought we would be implementing way more 94 calls to action and anybody who wants a status you just go to beyond 94 and uh it's a cbc indigenous um you know, look at all the 94 calls to action and what progress has been made or what progress hasn't been made. And uh, yeah, they've won awards. So it's supposed to be nonpartisan. And even as a liberal, I'm like, I don't know if I would have given a green light to that one, but they did. And, and, you know, I want to give them a good shout out because I use that information in my book club. And speaking of which, book club is on Monday, election night um, at 630 at the basement of Calgary Forest Lawn. If you're interested in coming, uh, you get a chance to meet me face to face and talk to about Indigenous issues. And um, our book that we're going to be doing is actually one that we, because it, it is community led, and the community has asked for um, you know different different books out there. So the one that we're going to be reading is from Turtle Island to Gaza, from uh, David Krolix. So. Um, it's actually free. It's available online. So if you're listening to this, just you, if you Google it, um, you can actually download it. And for those who are listening, obviously, if you're listening, you, you want to learn about Indigenous issues and you're open to it. You're not too much of a, you know, uh, space hog, I guess. So if you have, uh, if you read an Indigenous book, I, I bla- beg of you to please put a, a positive book review and the reason why I ask of that is because I'm getting a lot of settlers and or people who would never identify as settlers, people who identify as Canadians and uh, hate Indigenous people and are racist, and they'll put up a really awful review of Indigenous books. And so I ask you, if you are Indigenous, if you um, you know identify as such, put it up there, put up your opinion. Yeah, some books are, are crap, don't get me wrong, so I get it. Uh, but a lot of books are actually really great. And if you're, you know, a person who cares about those things, you are helping not just other people from deciding whether or not they want to read it, but you're also helping uh, the Indigenous artists because they're getting inundated with hate um, reviews. They are. Whether or not people are aware of that it is irrelevant. That's what's happening. So I beg of you to download this book and write a positive review. So anyway, I'll go over my review next time. But right now we're in the middle of the selection. Uh, just really, it feels like it's hours away now that we're on like day seven. So, uh, well, day six. So uh, minority governments, what does that mean? That means that, um, you know, I'm not going to judge people for voting NDP. Uh, at the end of the day, the did <laughs> the liberals earn your vote i'm not going to argue whether we did or we didn't what i will say is this is that where a lot of people vote with their conscience and that's you know green or ndp what that means is that's one less vote away like for the cons the cons are consistent they're at a certain number every single year every single time you know the the older um white settlers always vote conservative always they always they are in a position of privilege they can make it out and make that vote so the numbers are always consistent so i know what's going to happen we're going to have a minority government and uh, the conservatives are going to be able to pull a lot of strings 
And what's really awful is that it might be um, even a majority conservative. And I don't mean to be, uh, you know, like this. It's just the numbers are the numbers are the numbers. That, that's just the numbers, how they work. If we have split the vote between NDP and Liberal, conservatives get in by default. And I know that's Liberal's fault. No, I'm not going to argue that with anybody. They had a chance to do something more about it, and they didn't. And here we are. But that's the reality now. And I'm quite afraid of that because, uh, like, I'm not going to mince words. There's not a single party that represents Indigenous people. Not one. And because of that, um, any work that... any per, It's so weird because, from my point of view, we weren't making any progress on reconciliation. Um, in a lot of ways. In some ways we were, but in a lot of ways we weren't. Um, Canadians, like, we're finally starting to have a little more of a conversation about what racism actually is in Canada. I really do believe that with Jagmeet Singh uh, running as the NDP leader, for the very first time, a lot of Canadians are actually hearing people of colour hear their experiences in a different way. I think it was really easy for people to be like, oh my God, the missing and murdered Indigenous women report said the word genocide, and I'm way too fragile to possibly even hear that. Then you have, you know, all these instances of blackface and and, um, racism that Jugmeat is uh, experiencing, and I think people are starting to realize, oh, I think we might have a race problem here in Canada. (laughs) Hello, wake up call, welcome to our world. So anyway, um, so one thing I want to say is that up to this podcast, I know I have been saying uh, the leader of the NDP's name wrong. So it's not Jagmeet Singh, it's Jugmeet Singh. And I didn't know that. And um, it, it was one of the mainstream medias pointed it out that it's on his Twitter. I'm like, what? So I had a look and sure enough, it has it right on his Twitter where it says, uh, you know, jug meat sounds like hug meat or whatever. And I'm, (laughs) so this whole time I was saying his name wrong. So the first thing I did was go back to my campaign office and I'm like, am I saying my candidate's name wrong? But because my candidate's name is uh, Jag Dish. So, well, that's what it looks like is Jag and a dish. It's actually not uh, incorrect to be saying a Jag. Thank God, because that would have been even worse. But, you know, here we are. So, you know, it, it goes many different ways. It was uh, it was really funny because my daughter, for those of you who actually follow my Facebook, you might have seen me tweet out or, or post that my daughter, <laughs> I was telling her, honey, guess what? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm glad you guys broke through that wall finally. And that just cracked me up. So humble pie, definitely eaten. Um... And, and you know what the best part about all of those stupid racist NDPers who actually left the party when uh, Jugmeat became leader and joined the Green Party? Best part is right now, Jugmeat's been one of the pop- most popular leaders in the polls right now. Um, that doesn't, and again, this doesn't correlate to votes. That doesn't correlate to him becoming the prime minister, unfortunately. Unfortunately, liberals, NDPs, Greens, progressives in general just can't seem to get their shit together when it comes to the strategic voting. Um, you know, Justin and, and the Liberal Party said they were going to no longer have a first-past-the-post system, but here we are. 
And the bottom line is, is that there are lots of polls out there that can teach you how to strategically vote. And, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of, of that, you know, strategic voting still is a, an issue of some people, like, even in my writing, I used to always vote green to give the 5% overall vote so that they would get the funding. But my green candidate, and I posted the videos, like, he has no concept of Indigenous issues, doesn't care <laughs> at, at the end of the day, no idea what, you know, racism really is and, and the issues that we face. So, you know, like, I'm, I'm actively campaigning against him because of how dismissive he had been to me in the past about these issues. So, you know, these, this is the issues. Like, if you listen to my last podcast, I talked a lot about um, having a look at your candidates in your areas and who you can feel comfortable voting for. You know, obviously, I'm not going to judge anybody if they're like, yeah, I know we should have voted strategically, but I absolutely couldn't bring myself for voting for X candidate because of X reason. I get that. And, you know, um, as Indigenous people, if they, I don't know if how many Indigenous people actually listen to what I say, but um, for those who, who do, like, you know, I, there's so many levels of why you don't vote, and I totally appreciate that. I, I, I'm not the one who's going to be like, you need to vote. It's just that for me, as, a, as an urban Indigenous person, being um, dealing with city issues, I ran municipally because I care. Provincially, I know they have a lot more jurisdiction than people realize, so I ran, and I could stand all the candidates in my area and the situation that kind of made it a thing. Um, and now here we are federally, and I just I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that you know Indigenous see that this is a potential. You don't lose your sovereignty by by doing this. You just have an opportunity at harm reduction. So like, for example, um, Andrew Shear's writing has so many indigenous nations in it that they absolutely could kick out Andrew Shear in a second. So he couldn't even have a chance of being prime minister. The only problem with that, of course, is then you have to follow parliamentary procedure and some other jackhole is going to end up being prime minister anyway. So, you know, it, it's really up to you. I will never judge you all for doing that. But shout out to my friend Jordan Sinclair, who's running in that area. Um, you know, as a liberal, just going to throw that out there in case anybody's listening. I don't think you are, but I still really love that guy. So I really want to see him do well. You know, and then I think of Edmonton Center. And I think of all of the great work that Randy Bossano has done. Uh, for LGBTQ2 plus rights. And I, and, you know, it, it kills me watching him going after Jody Wilson rainbow. Like I can't even, I don't even know how to process what happened there. So, but at the end of the day, Catherine Swampy is one of the strongest indigenous women. I know she stepped down from chief and council of Masquachis in order to run and uh, she'd be awesome. So it's, it's hard, hard to watch that. And uh, I, don't, whew, I didn't think I'd get so choked up, but you have to understand how much pressure it is for a person who's in, in a political party right now, because you're just watching the campaign swing and you're watching people you love being tarnished while other people that you hate, for some reason, it just feels like the media is so kind to them. And I'll never understand that. So, you know, this, this is where we're at. It's just a really, it's emotional um, campaigning and, and just, 
seeing what's coming, seeing the train wreck of uh, split votes and minority governments and knowing we're going to have to be doing this again in a year, year and a half, because um, minority governments mean they actually don't work together. And um, as the CBC said, I think it, it was the CBC I said this morning, it was a radio, I was listening to the radio, so this really isn't my words, but it, it was truthful when they said that um, what ends up happening is that uh, this is exactly what happened on the lead up when Harper um, took control. Because at first they had a minority government and they worked really well with the Bloc Quebecois and then, uh, you know, earned the trust of Canadians to have a majority in which they just decimated our country and our environmental rules. And, um, and you can't possibly convince a conservative otherwise. So I'm not really here to please any conservatives. Although it, I'd be happy to read your hate mail if you want to send me some. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, so it's just really intense right now because uh, I'm really concerned about what the future is going to hold here. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And it's so funny. I thought in so many ways that the liberals had earned a uh, second term. For no other reason than legalizing marijuana. Like, I'm not kidding. If you ever heard my freaking family, my uh, older generation, talk about that broken promise from Pierre Elliott Trudeau to not legalize marijuana. And here they finally did. And they didn't even, like, get their return vote for it. <laughs> and that's just one issue. Um, you know, like, I think about the gender um, gender plus... Uh, Jesus, what am I talking about? The gender plus budget, where for the first time in Canadian history, we ever acknowledged uh, women in the budget, let alone the plus indicating people of color, indigenous um, women. Like it was in the budget for the first time. Rachel Notley took that same example, did the same thing. And now here we are. We're actually really close to... Uh, not just a conservative uh, minority, but for the first time with so many conservative-run pro provinces. As my husband pointed out, um, we have a chance at uh, constitutional changes, and that's what's really scary. So all those LGBTQ2 plus rights that have been so hard fought for, all of those rights for Indigenous people, that could all go out the window if we have enough uh, conservative um, provinces and federal party working together to change the constitution and uh i don't think people understand the gravity of it because clearly they don't understand what they don't remember what happened yesterday let alone when harper first took over let alone all of the awful things he did let alone all the awful things that have been said in the last four years by conservatives it's just shocking to me how people's mind work and and again that's you know a very disenfranchised um perspective after running in Calgary East here provincially and having literally a conservative's office get raided by the RCMP the Friday before the election and and not just like win like decimated us like me the NDP the green if you added up all of our votes we didn't even come close so yeah so I'm just a little just a little concerned about the state of the democracy for sure but I'm gonna wrap this up by saying this um, I've been asked by the Resolve uh, conference to speak. And I think what I'm going to focus on is, um, is finding your voice and what that looks like and the power that comes with that. 
because at the end of the day, I'm just like, well, I would argue not just ordinary, but below. <laughs> and uh, I just want to empower folks that are listening who think that they're ordinary or less than ordinary to know that you can find your voice too and still use it in a positive way. And I always talk about voting as a form of harm reduction, and, and that is a, a way to voice yourself. And, um, oh my God, you guys, go on to Twitter. I reshared it. There's this really powerful video from this from this little girl who's like 18. She's just diagnosed. She's going to die in the next couple of days or week in, um, in the hospital, and she voted. She's like, what's your excuse? And I was like, ah, ah. I definitely don't have an excuse. Now, I'm that total poly nerd who not just voted, but votes early and all the time. But, you know, for other people, I just found it really an inspirational story. And I, and I just want to remind Indigenous people that a lot of people fought for us to have this right to vote and that um, we had Indigenous vets that died in the wars. We've had a lot. I have a lot more reasons to vote than to not vote. And I don't see it as a loss of sovereignty in order to vote either. So with that, I encourage you to vote. And I, I want to also wrap this up by acknowledging that right now um, there's a hunger strike happening in Oka. And um, so for a lot of you who may not know, Oka is, uh, as I'm finding out, I'm older than I think I am. And Oka crisis had happened in uh, 1991. Um, actually, for a lot of kids, they don't know about it. So I, I really encourage... If you're a young person to look up the Oka crisis, I'll share. I think there's a video that like explains the Oka crisis in five minutes, but I know there's some really good uh, documentaries on them. Anyway, um, Ellen Gabriel is one of the leading spokespersons that was at the Oka crisis in the 90s. And then, um, you know, she's been a long-term Mohawk activist and she's doing a hunger strike right now because of the things that are happening that's um, going on um, on her nation's land. And uh, so I had shared for those who may have missed it, um, that the Trans Canada is actually working on refitting all their pipelines in their Oka Park. And, uh, you know, it's really hard on the folks there. And I just wanted to um, read to you a couple of her latest statuses here. So she says the CBC News, CBC Indigenous, CBC Montreal refusing to conduct an interview because the Longhouse wishes to respect the hunger strike's wish for public anonymy or an autonomy, sorry, um, and it's disrespectful to Indigenous people's protocols. Uh, do you all remember Watergate or the fact that journalists protect the, anonym <laughs> the anonymous um, whistleblowers? It's just another ploy to silence the truth about the land fraud in uh, Kanasake, Oka area, um, and our voices as per status quo. And it seems that you are, in fact, manipulated by government propaganda. This is what our George or um, Orwell wrote in 1984. I call upon other media outlets, and they tag a few to uh, try to try to bring that in, but. Um, you know, uh, Ellen has a, a video as well about dealing with lateral violence and institutional racism. She's a leading expert. For those of you who watch First Contact, she was one of the main speakers on that when they were in Mohawk territory and they talked about the um, 
Oka crisis from their point of view. I've seen better documentaries and First Contact is, eh. Anyway, so I'm watching that. Uh, I'm encouraging folks to follow that because I think it's really important that we always support our Mohawk sister. This is not her first time. I'm sure it won't be her last time advocating uh, for the Mohawk. And I, I have the deepest respect for what she's doing all the time. So I'm hoping, well, we'll see if I can be one of those uh, few folks that can get her. Um, and I, I, if I am, I sure hope that my listeners um, share those episodes because, you know, that's what gets the word out at the end of the day. Uh, we have to do it ourselves. We always had to do it ourselves. And once again, the mainstream media is just proving that over and over again. So obviously I'll respect their protocols, but I just wanted folks to know this is happening and to follow her on, uh, you know, Facebook or, or whichever. I've been trying to f- do a daily check-in and share whatever I can on the Idle No More official Facebook group because that gets a lot more folks looking. So anyway, uh, with that, I'll probably have a look. We're trying a, a little different um, layout today. Normally, I'm downstairs in the in the dungeon, us reading this together <laughs> in his little uh, setup. But this, today, we decided to try to do it at the kitchen table because I'm so busy and exhausted. And, oh, I had a crap day. Let me tell you, every condescending man out there, uh, you have no idea. Yeah, if you want something, you are absolutely hurting yourself by being a misogynist. But anyway, Indigenous have been talking about these issues, sharing our traumas and truths in reports, in commissions, public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor the words. Honor the treaties. Listen to the politicians and their platforms and policies. If they don't recognize marginalized people in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, education, uh, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances. Know that your vote is to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples the multiple reports about child welfare reform specific to each province as well as federally, and violence prevention. Now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on MMIWG2, so missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme gaslighting, racism, in the educational health justice institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have no business running. Should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports. I have a really great article which I said out loud in episode 62 called Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. It was written by another person. It's so fabulous. Hope you hear it again and again. Violence is just my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast. To speak freely, without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, sure want to tell us theirs. Usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. Just typical microaggressions. 
people dealing with internalized racism, those who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are so in their trauma they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. External and internal racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. How sad I needed a podcast for a boundary to be heard, but here we are. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they will understand down the road. For those who do not know that there are lots of ways that you can have um, cultural safety for folks, um, anti-racism measures, please just Google that and have a look. If you witness any uh, public instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, or any other form of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, please use those tips and keep everybody safe. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline is 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny and mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up for teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through you. I am a second generation proud Calgarian. And with that, I just want to say um, to all those Calgary rabbits, I give you a side eye and think you're lucky I'm not tradish. In which my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. And with that, I say good night. Masicho.